0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We're glad you've come to worship with us on this Resurrection Sunday on Easter morning. Thank you so much. It's a blessed day to be together as the family of the Lord. And we want to thank all of you for coming. Hallelujah, amen. Amen. So, as we uh, come to Easter time, I know that it's a time that we uh, spend a lot of time in the scriptures. This is important. uh, It's an important holiday. It's an important celebration for us as a Christian family. Uh, Christmas time, Easter time—the times that we have a lot of tradition. We, We we go over these these same historical accounts of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ponder. We wonder. And it's a good time. And it's amazing to me as we consider the, the, the story of Easter, the story of the Passion Week coming in on Palm Sunday, the events of that week, the crucifixion and death and burial of our Savior and the resurrection. And it's amazing how much detail we're given. If you think about it, if you were to take a, what's called the Harmony of the Gospels, if you, if you have one of those, you can buy in book form or you can see it on the internet, where it lays out each of the four Gospels And you can put the events together and you will see how much for, you know, for the Lord's life, 33 years, how much of the space, if you will, given in our New Testament is given to that final week. And especially the crucifixion, burial, resurrection and appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're given so much detail. We are, we are told the detail on Palm Sunday when he comes into Jerusalem, what they said and how they responded and even the children in the palm branches. We are given detail of the week, the Passion Week, when he's in the temple and he teaches, and especially, for example, in Matthew, the Olivet Discourse. We come to the, to the arrest and the betrayal, the Last Supper, the arrest, betrayal, and crucifixion. Think of the detail. We, the detail of the Last Supper and the things that Jesus spoke to his disciples, especially in the Gospel of John, where he has so much of that discourse that's given. When Jesus is taken to Pilate, the, the conversation between the two, uh, Peter outside in the courtyard, when Jesus is crucified, the hour, you know, the third hour, the sixth hour, what the Roman centurion said. What Jesus said to Mary and to John. What Jesus said from the cross, the seven last words of Jesus. We are given all this detail. The detail of how he is whipped and how he is crucified, how he is carefully taken off the, as we looked at last week, we're given the detail of 75 pounds of spices that Nicodemus brought. And then we come to the resurrection story. And there's so much detail. You have to lay out the four of them to really get the the, the exact timing of everything because there is just so much detail up to the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. All this detail, except for one thing. If you look at, for example, you could take any of the Gospels. We've been reading them this morning, but I'll read to you from Luke. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee, followed Joseph, and they saw the tomb, and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. That was on Friday, we believe. Late Friday, because they were getting ready for Sabbath. and It was a holy Sabbath because of Passover. He is not here. He is risen. I mean, think about that. All this detail, even how he is wrapped in the 75 pounds and everything, putting him in the grave, and then it's blank. And there's no detail about the resurrection. The next thing we read is coming to the tomb, and it has happened. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. And the Lord gave us no record. What actually happened? Have you ever thought about that? How was Jesus raised? When did it exactly happen? We aren't told anything. It is a mystery. Was he raised instantaneously? Was it a process? Where was he from the time he was raised till he appeared to the women? As we read on the scripture earlier, it says, don't don't hold on to me. I I have not yet ascended to my father. Where was he? When they came in, the tomb was empty. Where was he? What happened? How did it happen? How was Jesus raised? What happened on Saturday? We read in Acts this past year, as we studied Acts, or at least twice, I think three times in the book of Acts, we have this quote from the Psalms. Applied to Jesus, where it says, You will not allow your Holy One to see decay. Think about that. He died physically. He was fully man and fully God, but he was fully man. He was placed in the tomb. And the scripture says, You will not, your body, God will not allow it to see decay. So his body did not decay, but he was dead. He was in the tomb. How did it happen? When exactly did it happen? And what took place? The only record we have of that span from Friday evening to Sunday morning, the only thing we are given is in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 27, it says that after Jesus had been placed on the cross, and I want to remind you that when we talk about three days and three nights in Jewish reckoning, any part of a day is a full day. So if Jesus was crucified Friday before sunset and arose Sunday morning, that is three days and three nights by Jewish reckoning. And it says in verse 62 of chapter 27, the next day, the one after preparation day, that is the preparation day for the Sabbath, we believe this would be Saturday, reckoning the schedule of events for this special Passover Sabbath weekend. The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order. Give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. After that, it didn't matter. But till the third day, which would be Sunday, secure it. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people, That he has been raised from the dead. And that last deception will be worse than the first. It's a not very good logic. Because if they really wanted to steal the body, they would have stole it when Nicodemus and Joseph had it. But they say, he said he was going to rise again. Secure that tomb. Don't let anybody tamper with it. In verse 65, take a guard, Pilate's unanswered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Now it's interesting. Sometimes we talk about and get my remote here uh, sealing the tomb. We might think in terms of maybe they cemented the door and so on, but the sealing of the Roman of, of the tomb of Calvary would have been something something like this. We don't know for sure, but. When they, the main point of it was, is that right here in the middle would be a seal. It could have been off the side. Somehow there was a rope or strap from the wall to the rock. It might have been like this. It might have been the side. But the significant feature, inquire. The significant feature would be the seal right in the middle. It would have been a soft clay. You know what a seal is. We have a church seal. We have a church seal that we can seal something that says the Berean Bible Church and it's our official church seal. You go to the notary public and they seal things. They would have put a soft clay on that and they would have stamped it with the stamp of the Roman government. The emperor's stamp as represented by Pilate, the magistrate, the governor. And when you did that, you have sealed that. And when you seal it, it is clear to everyone. Do not tamper. And everybody knew. Nobody would dare touch that. If anybody touched that seal, broke that seal, there would be no questions asked. You would be crucified. You would be executed. Nobody would dare tamper with that seal of the Roman government. And it says that they sealed the tomb with that seal. And they posted a guard. And they made it as secure as they possibly could. But we read in chapter 28, after the Sabbath, at dawn the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled it back, broke the seal. God broke the seal. Nobody else would tamper with it. But the angel of God came and broke that seal. His clothes were were white as snow. His radiance was like lightning. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. They became like dead men. The stone was rolled away. The seal was broken. The guards were put in a state of shock so they couldn't do anything. And of course, as we know, none of that was so that Jesus could get out. He had already risen. It was for the ladies, the women who came to go in and see. It was for us because they are our witnesses. It was for us to see, not for Him to get out. Somehow, some way, in that quiet, he rested on the Sabbath. Bob Jolke gave me an article just before the service today. It was interesting. and talked about this idea that it was on the Sabbath day that he rested. C.K. Chesterton said, thus this, this, this Sabbath that Jesus spent in the earth was the last Sabbath of the old creation marred by Adam's sin. It was the Sabbath day that Jesus rested in the tomb. His body did not see the cake. Where did his spirit go? Where was the solical part? He was fully human. Where did he go? Where do we connect this with other scriptures? It talks about where he went to Hades and so forth. It's a mystery. But on Sunday morning, and it could have been any time on Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead but the stone was still there. And it was the angel who came and broke the seal and rolled it away and allowed us in um, the person people that went in as our witnesses to record it for us. He has been risen. You know, it's interesting. Verse 5, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. You know, it's just like on uh, Christmas. It's angels... It's people afraid. It's the angels saying, don't be afraid. We're back to the detail. Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as He said. Come, see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead. You know, this morning... We have a tradition at Easter time, and we've already shared it several times, right? He is risen. He is risen. <laughs> we all know, and, and uh, I want to add a little something today, and I don't want to confuse you, okay? Um, but I just want to point something out, and I'm not suggesting we change our tradition, because it's a good tradition, and it's something that is an important part of our worship as Christians. But I do want to point this out, because I think it's worth noting that actually, and and I've quoted from the New Revised Standard Version here, because actually, He is risen, in the Greek language, is, is a little bit misleading in the sense that what it really says is, He is not here, He has been raised. As He said, come and see the place where He lay, then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has been raised from the dead. Now you might say, well, what's the difference? Well, theologically our understanding of what is going on at Easter, there is a little bit of a difference. Because you see, He has been raised in what we call the passive voice. It's a passive verb, not an active verb. But you know what that means. If I'm playing baseball and I hit the ball, unlikely, but if I hit the ball, okay, (laughs) That is active. I'm doing the action. I am hitting the ball. But if I get hit by the ball, which has happened at a church (laughs) softball game, in the head, on accident, I'm not going to tell you who, I'm not going to tell you who did it. All I'll tell you is they can't learn, he can't learn to bake either, if that helps you. But I got hit by the ball. That is passive. I was hit by the ball. You get it? you understand what I'm saying, right? It's passive. I received the action. If it's active, I am doing the action. The reason this is important, he has been raised in the passive means Jesus did not raise himself in every one of the gospels where it is said He is risen. It really should say he has been raised or he was raised. Because Jesus did not raise himself. God raised him from the dead. On Easter time, we focus on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior as we should. But we should not forget. It took a powerful... I mean, the Bible makes it clear. When God raised him from the dead and we don't have any witnesses and he saw fit not to explain to us what happened and how fast it happened or what, all it tells us is he was raised from the dead. But we know this, it took a powerful act of God. God was active. He did it. It didn't just happen because it was on the schedule. God intervened and triumphed God the Father intervened and triumphed over death and the grave by raising Christ from the dead. He has been raised. Let's try it one time, then just once, and we'll go back. <laughs> Say it with me. He has been raised. He has been raised indeed. Very good. You're good learners. But that well, but he has risen. Works too, because we know what it means. So we're not going to change it. But I just want to point. This is a. This is a. An important aspect of the resurrection story, and we'll talk. And I'll close with why this is so important for you and for me. God did it. Jesus—it's a mystery. It is a mystery. Jesus, God Himself was dead. I can't explain that. He was in the grave. His body was lifeless, but it did not see decay. It rested. Just as God rested. We learned, we talked about on Good Friday, the Bible says that Jesus was the agent of creation, the son, all things were created through him. He rested on the seventh day. And on Easter weekend, he rested. He rested. But on the first day of the week, God was active once again in creation. And by his mighty power, exploded. And he was raised from the dead. We didn't get to see it. Nobody got to see it and nobody could tell us what happened. But it happened. Because they saw him alive. We learned a verse last week. You should have learned a verse this week, right? If you're memorizing, we're memorizing verses. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth... Say it with me if you learned it. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you notice that? What you believe? You believe that God raised Him from the dead. That's what you believe. You believe that God did that. That his body was lifeless. But God in his power, in his active power, and he as the lifeless body, the passive recipient, was raised from the dead. We learned that verse last week. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Wonderful passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, one of our favorite passages in the Bible. And if the Spirit, ah, now it's the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He, God, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit Who lives in you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He, God. If the Holy Spirit is living in you. If you have believed and confessed. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And that God raised him from the dead. If you believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And since the Holy Spirit dwells in you. God. Who through his power raised Christ from the dead. Is also going to raise your body. And it's not going to happen just because it's on the schedule. It's going to take a mighty act of God. For the millions of believers. Whose bodies must be changed. Some who have been in the grave for 2,000 years. Plus. Friday night we were here for our Good Friday service the last person I spoke with in the narthex before I headed down the hallway to my car was John Bissinger stood right out there, right behind the sound booth in the narthex chatted about the mariners chatted about Cheryl's father who they were caring for talked a little bit pleasantries and so on Saturday I get a call it has gone. Just like that. But we haven't lost him. Saturday we're going to gather and have a service to celebrate the life of Larry Jones, the servant of the Lord. He's gone from us. We believe he's in the presence of the Lord. And we believe also in the resurrection And it's going to be the mighty power of God, friends, that I think we're going to experience. I think we're going to experience it. How how could we not? The Lord Jesus Christ had to have experienced the power of God when he was, was raised from death to life again. I believe we're going to experience that. I have no idea what it's going to be like. But that's what the Bible says. He who raised Christ will give life to your mortal bodies because the Holy Spirit dwells within. Our verse this week. How does this fit with Easter? Our memory verse this week. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And you also were included in Christ. You are in Christ. You will be raised by God the Father. The Holy Spirit dwells within. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, look it, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That is the exact same word that is used in Matthew for what they did to Jesus' tomb. It's the exact same word. They sealed it with a seal. And that seal said, do not tamper. There's only one person who has the right to break that seal, and that is the Roman government. Except God did. When the Bible says, you and I have been marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit becomes God's permanent impression That we are His. And nobody has a right to tamper with that until God receives us to His Himself. God knows how to take care of what belongs to Him. Amen? Amen. That's our verse for this week, friends. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He has been raised. Just as He said. I want to conclude by just reading to you the resurrection chapter from the epistles. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Why does this matter? That he was raised from the dead. That God did it. The Apostle Paul tells us in verse 20, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is the first fruits. And then he goes on to tell us this. When it comes to the resurrection, in verse 42, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. You go to the grocery store, you go to the perishables. They are there, and when they are no longer fresh, they are gone. The body is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a in a contradiction of terms, a spiritual body. Listen. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Maybe this is how it happened with Jesus. In a flash. In a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. Friends, we celebrate Easter Sunday morning. We celebrate the power of God that raised Christ from the dead and gave Him a body. It was Him. It was Him. It wasn't just the Spirit. It was Him. The nail prints were still there but it was different. And friends, that's our hope. This is our Easter hope. You and I are going to feel the power of God, and we are going to be changed. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this mortal must be swallowed up by life. It is only going to get better. He is risen. He is risen risen indeed. And we will rise as well. And I hope and I trust and I pray that everybody here this morning shares that hope. And you can share it. Confess with your mouth. Tell God, I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, that He died on the cross and He paid for my sins. Confess in your heart. Tell God that. And believe and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right. hallelujah is right hallelujah let's sing a song together I'm going to read to you from first Peter chapter one, verse three, and then we're going to share in one more song before we are dismissed from our service today first Peter chapter one verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Stand and be dismissed. What a beautiful word, mercy. God's love and mercy. God loves you more than He will ever love you. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. Why not receive it? Receive Christ's payment for your sins. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised from the dead. You will be saved. Take a few minutes. Go down to the gym and purchase a baked item. The money will go to a great cause. Even if you're not hungry, go down and purchase the baked item. Otherwise, we don't want this stuff sitting around the office tomorrow for Gary and Kevin to eat. So uh, go buy it, and uh, the donation will go toward our mission trip. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for coming. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you most certainly will visit the garden Tomb. It may be the place Jesus was buried. It may not. But even if not, it's the best representation that we have. And you'll get a chance to take one at a time to go and to walk and look inside and see the stone bed where he would have been laid. And it's empty. And you close your eyes, you can almost hear the angels say, He has been raised. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this wonderful, beautiful truth. Christ was raised from the dead. Thank you for your power and your might that you destroyed death in the grave. Where, O oh death, where, O oh grave, are your victory? The victories in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. We are a thankful people. This is a wonderful day. This is a wonderful day to be alive. It's a wonderful day to be a Christian. It's a wonderful day to shout the good news. He has been raised. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We leave this place with joy in our hearts. And we look forward to worshiping you. Not only in this week to come, but in the ages to come. With the family of God in Christ, our Savior's name, all God's people can say together, "Amen." Amen. Blessed Easter, Christmas, Easter to all of you.